Today we light the fourth candle of our Advent wreath, reminding us of the peace we receive through the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. We also light the center candle, the Christ candle, symbolizing the light of Christ in our world. Our scripture passage today comes from the Gospel of Luke in the first and second chapter. Verses 8 through 19 in the second chapter and verses 68 through 69 in the first chapter. In in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared the angel with a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who had heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in in her heart. Blessed be the Lord, God of Israel, for he has visited us us to accomplish redemption for his people and raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. Good morning. Well, Merry Christmas Eve to you all. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Peter. I'm one of the pastors here. And I get to do the boring part of the service today. So thank you. Today is the final Sunday of what the Christian calendar calls Advent. And Advent simply means to come or coming. And it's this idea of expecting something greater and better and more permanent and purely good and right to finally happen. And uh, I don't know where you're at in your life, but I've looked forward to a lot of different things. The realization, the actualization, the unfolding, and every single time I find myself feeling and knowing that that's not quite it either. Uh, When I first came to this church, uh, the church asked me what computer I wanted, and I listed out all these specs, and uh, it turned out to be a $3,500 machine. And somebody very generous and nice uh, purchased it for me, and I had it, and I was still not quite happy. And then I realized that the specs were too, um, too big for me and what I use it for, so I handed the computer over in six months to the worship pastor, and I got myself a $1,000 uh, machine that was a lot you know, more practical, uh, and then I've been using it for these last five and a half years. Uh, and then just last week, uh, that machine was finally uh, has seen better days, and so we upgraded to a different one, this one that I'm preach- preaching from today, and it didn't quite save me either. 
I forgot what it was like to be excited for this machine to arrive, and I was tracking it online. It finally came. I opened it up, and my life has stayed the same. <laughs> It's really quite disappointing. But that's been sort of the story of life, don't you think? You look forward to something, something's gonna come, you wait, you hope, and then it comes, and then you get to know it, and they get to know you, and everybody in the room is a little bit disappointed, because that's not quite it either. And uh, this is not to say that life is sort of negative and disappointing and dark, it's to say that all of life, from the very beginning, has been designed to point us to the king that is actually to come, the love that's actually true, a salvation that's actually going to save us and not just keep promising us something other. That's what we're all waiting for, and that's been my experience in life, that there's, there are disappointments, but that's sort of on a, a, a penultimate level, but ultimately there's some knowing that I possess that something finally is coming. And that's what really the season of Advent is looking forward to. It's not looking forward to the little things, but finally the onset of reality and truth and love and life and light itself. Uh, we read in uh, verse 19 today that Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now think about that for a second, this idea of treasuring and pondering. You know, her life was chaos. She was uh, uncomfortable. She was in danger. She had very little stability to speak of. I don't know how she fell asleep at night. But here she is, when she heard these words, when she saw what was unfolding before her, it's not that she said, finally, this moment is it. But it caused her to understand and feel and I think on some deep level, know that this was it. Somehow this thing that was happening to her was really the thing that all people have been waiting for. It's finally going to happen. It's coming. And she treasured this reality in her heart, and she thought about it. She pondered it. And you've had those moments, right, when you've taken to certain words or experiences, and you said, this is it, and you allow it to guide you for the duration And for Mary, the things that she treasured and the thoughts that she pondered in her heart in this moment today, that lasted her all the way to the cross. And it took her all the way to the resurrection. And to her dying day, she hearkened back in her mind and heart to these very things that she treasured and pondered. Uh, I remember when I was first coming here, and this is the story that came to my mind for me. Uh, I was... Uh, all set to candidate at a different church. This is about six years ago now. And uh, it was a church in San Francisco, and we we're really excited about it. Things seemed to fit, and all the people in our lives, uh, all these mentors and Christians, they told us, this is the church for you, Peter. You're supposed to go there. They told me that, and I believe that. Except for my sister, uh, the one right below me. She's not a Christian. She lived in Seattle at the time. And she said, no, San Francisco is not for you. She said, I'm not saying this is God's will or anything. She doesn't talk like that. She doesn't believe like that. Uh, she said, but I think you're supposed to be here in Seattle. And so she said, keep looking. There's something else here in Seattle. And uh, I rejected it at the time, 
But you know, I treasured those words uh, and I ponder them in my heart. It meant something. And all these years, uh, I feel it's brought me here to this day. So we're going to talk about two ideas here. First, longing and light. I want to begin with a story about C.S. Lewis. I quote C.S. Lewis all the time. Many of you know and adore him as well. But maybe some of you didn't know that he actually became a Christian from an atheist standpoint by a friend and mentor named J.R. Tolkien, who was the author of the Lord of the Rings series, uh, probably his most famous for that. And uh, they were going back and forth for a while, and C.S. Lewis can hold his own, and he was arguing for the non-existence of God, and J.R. Tolkien uh, was talking to him about how God came to uh, earth uh, in the form of Jesus Christ. And C.S. Lewis rejected it, rejected it, rejected it. And then finally, J.R. Tolkien tapped into his strongest argument for why God exists and why Christ is the only way that God can exist. And he said this. He said, you know music, when you hear beautiful music, you know what makes beautiful music beautiful? He said, it's not the music itself. But when you hear really great music. It taps into what the Bible calls this eternity that's been set in our hearts. And through that music, it's through that music, we begin to experience music with a capital M. We feel things in the depths of our spirits. We say, there is such a thing as beauty. There is such a thing as real harmony. And through this amazing music, I know that to be true. And when we experience that longing in our heart for that heavenly music, through the earthly music, that's when we say, that was beautiful music. But he said, you know, Clive, that's uh, C.S. Lewis's first name, Clive, that it's not really about the music. In your heart, you know it's about a higher music. Or when you see beautiful art, or when you, when you hear an amazing story that moves you to tears and it's filled with love and betrayal and redemption. Why do you think that's a great story? It's never about the story itself, but it's the story that actually that story itself points to. The original story. The story that we are all actual players in. We cry at stories about redemption because we know we need to be redeemed. That's the Bible's word for salvation that things are not right, that the world is not okay the way it is, and we need somebody who's worthy and reliable and truthful and loving and incorruptible to come and finally take the throne. We know this. And so when we watch movies about a king that's to come, then we are moved by that story. But it's really not about the story itself, but it's really pointing to the longing we have Philosophers say if you boil down life, life boils down to longings. You have these deep longings in your heart. Where do they come from? And the Bible says they come from God himself. God created you for himself. And you were meant for love, for security, for acceptance. You were meant for forever and anytime anything points to that, you feel joy and sadness 
longing welling up inside of you. And then uh, when J.R. Tolkien spelled this out for Clive, he caved and he said, to your arms I surrender my whole being. And he became a Christ follower. But notice what happens, verse 9 an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. So there's a kind of light that's frightening to us. Usually, you know, if you get scared, it's because it's dark and you have to turn on the light. But this is the kind of light that creates fear. Why is it? It's because it's not just light, but it's the light that all the other lights ever have always pointed to. And that's the light of the glory of God himself. And in the presence of true light, of ultimate light, we begin to understand that we are vulnerable, that we're not worthy, that somehow we are indictable. We do deserve whatever life has given to us. We know we're not good. We know we can't keep faking it. We know the mask doesn't cover anything up. And so in the presence of God's glorious light, we begin to feel a kind of fear. And that's what the passage tells us. And they were terribly frightened. Anybody know what the King James translates this little phrase to? Sore afraid. Not so afraid, sore afraid. They were terribly frightened because light leads to fear. And that's why we have Christ. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. This is a truth of life also. Not only do we have these longings, but in order for God to finally begin to meet these longings that are deeply embedded in our hearts, that are part and parcel to who we are, if God were to just show up in his full glory, we would all be afraid to death. We could not survive that kind of exposure to pure light. And so when God comes, he has to kind of wrap this light, the glory, in the form of a baby. And even that baby is wrapped in clothes. And that baby, it's not standing, but it's lying, utterly vulnerable, and it's lying in a completely humble situation, a borrowed manger. And this is why after everything that I've been through and everything I've seen all around me, I still choose to believe in God, and not just in God, but God in Christ. Because I know that these little Christmas miracles, these points of light, always come humbly wrapped vulnerably wrapped, deceptively wrapped. It never comes to us as light itself. It sometimes surprises us. Sometimes it creates pain. Sometimes it creates confusion. These are curveballs that we did not expect because God's light is always disruptive. God's light is sneaky. It somehow finds its way into our life, begins to shine in a way that actually does the work of redemption in our life. And so I want to encourage you this Christmas season, as you look back on the year 2017, maybe some of you have had some hard times this year. You've experienced some pain and loss, confusion, 
curveballs that you did not expect in your life, did not want, did not ask for. But those are the very means of God's light in your life to address the longings of your heart. I can't find another philosophy or a view or or a religion that accurately tells a story of how life actually works better than the Christian Christmas story. And that's why I stand before you as a doubter, as a skeptic, as a thinker, but as one who believes, as one who trusts, continues to choose to trust God in my life and in our world. Today, we're going to uh, light some candles. As you do that, I want to invite you to think about all the things that you treasure and ponder in your heart, the deep longings that you live with, the longings that pull you forward. Hold that in one hand. And in the other hand, I want you to hold a candle. That candle represents God's light. That candle, just like the light that's shown above Jesus in Bethlehem, that light is not the true light, it's not the ultimate light, but that light is vulnerable and it flickers and it's easily put out. But that light represents, through that light shines, God's light for you comes to you vulnerably in the form of a candle on this day. It's clothed as a humble candle. I'm going to take this uh, light from the Christ candle. I'm going to transfer it to a few people here in the front. And uh, I want to ask you to pass that light on Make it go all the way to the back. If you see somebody who doesn't have a light, uh, go ahead and share your light. And as you uh, partake in this uh, lighting of the candles, uh, just remember how the light of God comes to us in our life, in our very real everyday life. It comes to us in this vulnerable, humble form. Church, on this Christmas Eve, would you receive the benediction? Lord, we thank you for this year and all that we've gone through as persons, as a people. We look for your grace. We look for your light. We look for your presence in this coming year. God, I pray that you would fill our hearts with gratitude. Open our eyes. Help us to see other people the way you see them. Fill our hearts with love. And I pray, God, that in this next year, 2018, we would be a people through whom your light shines. May we come to people in humility, cloaked in clothes, lying in a manger, ready to serve and give of ourselves for the good of this world and your glory. We thank you and we love you because you have first loved us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas, church. Go in peace.